What up, everybody? We are back. Ah, missed you guys. It's been a, it's been a week and <laughs> seven days. I wasn't seven ready days for this. since the last one. It's been seven days, and we have a, a heavier topic on hand today. We're talking grief. It's borderline sad. Just filling an outline and talking about it. But in order to get the mood up, Ben, you got a joke for us. <laughs> Come on, man. No, I the don't have a joke. The people are waiting. <laughs> Listen, joke is just another fancy word for a lie. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> you are the worst. That just for that joke. Just for that That word. was my joke. <laughs> just. Why, why? I thought that was funny. So knock, a, knock. Wife, a wife and a man have been married for a very long time. And I'm not going to tell the whole joke. <laughs> no, okay. no, knock, Where's knock. Going? Who's there? KGB. <laughs> i can't do it so there there's your oh, comedy i was gonna reach over and slap <laughs> that's from the office if everybody's confused they don't get that reference which they probably are you know re- respectfully so yeah i mean here at the oasis podcast we know about 17 percent of everything so we apologize in advance 17 percent that percent's gone up yeah. since the last time you said that what was the first percentage <laughs> we like, like five i feel like we've grown in okay. knowledge and okay. experience mm-hmm. Life is just a growth growth process, right? Yeah, is that a Justin Bieber lyric? It might be, to be honest. You know, <laughs> shout out Justin Bieber. Oh, he, he hasn't Thanks come for up listening. In a while. Yeah, yeah you know, I think. Him. Yeah, there's a reason. He, no, he deserves more credit in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I get most of my theology oh, from Justin Bieber. Uh, oh, oh, oh I know. I need to talk. <laughs> Jana, what are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love that guy. We know, like too much, <laughs> I think too. Um, but let's do this thing first of all. Uh, grief is something that we wrote down that Brennan wrote down a while ago. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, even just in the last six months with people sitting here at this table. So we're sitting around a table. Obviously, you guys can't see. Yeah, that. Mm-hmm. it's like Dana, you lost a, a grandparent. I lost a grandparent, and then just recently, Brennan, you've experienced some grief, and we'll, we'll get into that stuff. And so. We are by no means experts. (laughs) There are things that even for us are still figuring out, okay, what does grief look like? And so knowing just everything that we say and what's going to happen and and stuff we're going to say is like we, in all things, because with this podcast is we want to not only help you guys, but even for ourselves, like look into, all right, how does Jesus just ask us to deal with and and go through different experiences that we have in Mm -hmm. life? Uh, and so we're going to tell some of those experiences. We're going to try and give definitions, but knowing just, especially when it comes to grief, it's like, it's not black and white Yeah, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to get into it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. This is good. This is a good thing. Yeah. So yeah. you want to start us with our quasi definition? <laughs> I think you should. Okay, fine. <laughs> so we sat around the table and we opened up this question of, okay, what is grief? And I had a definition and Ben had a definition and Jaina had a definition and we sat there for like 45 minutes and tried to reconcile the three. <laughs> and really, in the end, what we settled on is a couple different pieces. First, grief is a response to loss. And this loss can <clears throat> look a bunch of different ways. And some of us would argue at the table that it, it's almost a deeper loss. Some would mm. argue it could be any loss. And there's a, differential, there's a difference between sadness and grief. And even this word mourning gets thrown in. <clears throat> and some of those are verbs and emotions and it's... A, 
it's what you're feeling and doing. And some of those are almost a state of being. That's what we call probably grief at this table. Mm-hmm. And it's a state in which you're in rather than an action you're taking. That's why grief is commonly used as a noun and not a verb. Yeah. It's describing, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a thing, it's not necessarily something you're doing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Grieving, different word. Right. Grief is this is a state of something you're almost stuck in or moving through depending on how healthily you're handling it. And at the end of the day, we all three just said, Grief is so different for everybody mm-hmm. that it's hard to to summarize that in a definition. People have different experiences with loss, with people, with things, with right. seasons, with whatever, and the way they grieve or don't grieve those situations affects how they experientially will probably define the word grief. Yep. Yeah. And a lot of that comes down to just the ra- so even if you define it as a state of being after a deep loss, mm-hmm. well, how I experience life and what is a deep loss for me may not be a deep loss for Jaina, mm-hmm. or may not be a deep loss for Brennan. Oh yeah, and we, so even in we that, know your emotions. I'm su- that's <laughs> but that's the reality, and some of that is how we're created yeah. is the giftings oh, yeah. we have, is the experiences that we have, um, and that's really important. So even with this, is like know yourself, not even mm-hmm. in how you experience loss, how you how you take loss, and we'll get into some of that stuff, but also like what you need to be running to or look out for yeah. in the midst of grief and mourning. So then what, what are examples of where you've seen grief or maybe experienced grief? You know, like if we're going to put this half definition on it, mm-hmm. we better at least provide some examples for people to to see where it could play out. Yeah. I mean, I think the first and obvious one that everyone thinks of with grief is the loss of people. So people who pass away, whether expectedly or unexpectedly, um, just anytime someone dies, for most people, there's a season of grief with that um, or a process or however you want to term that. Yeah. Which looks different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think relational loss in a lot of different ways. So I think there was even a moment where some of us experienced grief when the world shut down and we couldn't go to church anymore physically. Mm-hmm. Or even like when we couldn't do Oasis and you guys went home during spring break and didn't come back for the, like yeah. that, I experienced grief in that. There was mm-hmm. a loss there and it was quicker than other th- moments of experience. But when I left Watertown to come to Brookings, like I, we left relationships and we mm-hmm. left things that were really good that, that, that impacted our lives in ways that we can't even, I mean, fully explain, but just like in those moments, there's opportunity for, for grief. I know people, young adults and college students, especially, which is our main audience, right? It's, it's, there's a grieving process for people who graduates. Like you'll never be back here again. You'll never come to Oasis again. That's, that's not bad, Mm -hmm. but it's just knowing that there's a possibility of grief in that. And and weirdly enough, I think there's probably even grief attached to things for sure. Oh yeah. Like inanimate or, I mean, you could say pets are things, you know, they're, how dare you? (laughs) We will both hurt you. Yeah. Well, I got two pet owners sitting across the table from me, and I am an avid non-pet owner, passionately non-pet owner. Listen, White Lightning wants a dog. I just don't know why you won't get it. I told her that I told you guys that on the podcast, and she received it better than I thought. So, it's a great nickname. That shows That's the so graciousness good. of my wife. She's she's much better than I am. Amen. Anyways, yeah. this thing's idea is like, the, the one that comes to my head is just like, if your house burnt down. Yeah. Like that, those are, that's probably not, hopefully everybody got out okay. Hopefully your pets got out okay. Like, but you still lost something. Yes. Your yeah. house, your possessions, like, or car totaled, or you have to give something up or sell something. Even in that, that sense of loss can still elicit emotions associated with grief. Job change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's for real. And that's not mm-hmm. bad. It's just, yeah. Oh, definitely. And mm-hmm. you said it like seasons. Yeah. Like a changing of seasons where you're college to young adult, where you're young adult to family or, 
And I, I hear parents. I, I'm also passionately without kids currently at the moment. And <laughs> passionately <laughs> without them? What a way them? to say that. Yeah. <laughs> passionately without them. I am excitedly content with the fact that I do not have children. I like yet. that you said it that way versus passionately. <laughs> <laughs> without. But like parents who, who then have kids where it's not... Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily sad they have kids, but there is almost a grief process where it's like, I no longer have the freedom I used to have. And even I've seen it with um, empty nesters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. They're grieving. You just spent 18 years raising this child and now they're gone Yeah, to some extent. So then how do we tie in just the the Christian idea to this? Because right now so far, it's almost just practical to life. Yeah. But what's Jesus got to say about this? Yeah, not even practical, but it's, it's, it's not unbiblical it's not a sin hmm. i think there's hmm. times where it's like why are you like i know people in my life who've grown up in churches and in the church who people have told them like you can't be sad you can't grieve yeah it's like that's not a reality right mm-hmm. jesus wept after the yeah. loss of a close friend mm-hmm. uh first thessalonians four thirteen says brothers and sisters we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so those who have died so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind here it even is saying it's like grieving is is a reality it's what people will go through. Um, but he says the world grieves differently than followers of Jesus should, should grieve. The world grieves without hope. There's nothing that they can see that they can point to and grab onto that helps them deal with un- or even understand death where we who are followers of Jesus, we have a hope. And so mm-hmm. we grieve with people as people who have a hope. We do not grieve like the rest of the world. Yet there's still temptations to almost go against that hope. There's still temptations to succumb to worldly substitutes for that hope. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? Really, the question is, what are the negative things or coping mechanisms you've seen people struggle with, you've personally maybe struggled with when it comes to grief, even though we know Jesus? Uh, Yeah, so even I'll go back to March for me um, when, and it wasn't just a, we couldn't meet at church anymore. It was a world shutting down thing. It was, I mean, it was just, yeah, it was a lot of different stuff that was happening where I was grieving a loss of being with people that I was pouring into, but also that were encouraging me. And so there was, there was an aspect of that was going on there. And then just the world shutting down, experiencing stuff that we haven't, haven't experienced before. Like, and then when my grandma died just recently, it's just like, I run to food. Hmm. I Hmm. snack like an insane amount. I, I, try not to be isolated because that's just not my personality in general. Yeah. Usually isolation is not a temptation for me. Um, it can be an isolation in and of itself isn't actually all bad. But for me, it's like, we'll run to idols. Mm. We'll, we'll, we'll be tempted to run to things that think can give us fulfillment when ultimately, again, to grieve with hope is knowing that Jesus is that. But for me, it's food. Mm-hmm. I think a big one for me is denial. And not denial in the sense of pretending that this loss isn't happening, but even just not recognizing how I feel in the midst of the loss hmm. of just like moving on, going through life, pretending everything's fine. And there's like an underlying like sadness or dissatisfaction that I don't give attention to, mm-hmm. um, which usually later on when I've kind of moved past it, then I'm able to look back at it and reflect on it, but probably would be helpful in the moment to give a little bit more attention. Uh, yeah. And maybe attention or even just expression. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way. Yeah. 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 And denial in and of itself is not bad. 
it's it's if we were staying in extended denial yeah or even like i said isolation isn't bad but if it's extended, extended. Mm-hmm. that's where it gets unhealthy because isn't like in the five stages one of the last ones is acceptance yes so it's almost like through the first four you experience denial and different things yeah. but mm-hmm. eventually you have to come to this place where there is acceptance and you move past that denial yeah one that maybe i've experienced i would say is just avoidance it's kind of that same idea mm-hmm. but the one i've seen avoidance played out in other people pretty consistently is avoidance when using substances so whether that's drinking whether that's drugs whether that's i mean you maybe throw food in there but like where you alter your own state of perspective in that kind of way so you don't have to deal with it yeah so you lost a friend you lost a parent you lost a a loved one you lost a thing and because that hurts so much we turned to this substitute in order to try to make that pain go away or to numb that experience. And that's just, it's so unhealthy because it's not going anywhere. We've talked about this process of grief is to move through it. You're trying to get to those, through those stages, if you want to use worldly, you're trying to grieve with hope to get to a place where you're accepting and finding healing from that. Mm -hmm. And when you turn to these substances in order to try and quicken or lessen your grief process i think it just it doesn't help it's just prolonging that and you'll probably end up not dealing with it if that's something you struggle with right Mm -hmm. yeah you'll stay in a state of so even if you look at the five stages right it's what denial anger bargaining depression they say but i think that's the grief of like Mm -hmm. of actually like expressing the loss and then acceptance Mm -hmm. so even in that it's like if i'm running to coping in my anger or in the bargaining or in the grief process, I won't get to the acceptance yeah. because I'm actually not allowing one to process well. And then especially as followers of Jesus, like this isn't just for the people of the world. Like we as followers of Jesus will run to these coping mechanisms in the midst of grief. So we have mm-hmm. to know what are our temptations? What are the things that are going to be in front of me that I'm going to want to run to, to find that fulfillment. Yeah, uh, and so it's just to know those is healthy and to know those is good. And there's other things we'll talk about on how you can actually grieve well. But. So, so what do you think as people who have experienced grief in the last year, all three of us, what do you think were things that helped you process that grief? What helped you move through that period? Uh, being honest that I was going through the actual process of grieving, um, but not by myself with people. I'm, again, because isolation is not a – it's not hard for me to, like, not be around people. It's not hard for me to – to like, the temptation for me is not isolation, but – for me, it is run to where comfort can be found, which is obviously Jesus. And a lot of times in my life where comfort's found when it comes to my relationship with Jesus is with other followers of Jesus who can speak life into me, who can pray for me, who can help me. Mm-hmm. And so it's being honest about what I'm going through and then people who yeah. know who know and love Jesus. Totally. For me, I think one thing I really cling to was over the summer, I memorized some a couple different Psalms because... Sitting in my apartment, not didn't have a ton, ton to do. And one of those psalms was Psalm 61, and I didn't really intentionally get drawn to this, but rather I think it was, by the grace of God, I, I stumbled upon it in my own memory. But it's just this this text I've continually gone back to, where it's, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I crawl, cry to you, I cry as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And I just love that cry of David out to God in the midst of his hurt and his pain. And he's saying, I need you to hear me. And I need you to recognize that I feel far away and I feel like I'm fainting or I'm drowning, some translations will say. But I also need you to lead me to a place where I can stand on you again. That's good. And that that, it ties back to Jesus was my only hope. I mean, without the hope of grieving, without the hope of I don't know how people do it. 
So then I just needed to to cling to that. In in Psalm sixty one was my my example, but yeah. Um, I think that for me, this is hard because I don't feel like I've experienced an extended like deep amount of grief. Um, but I appreciate people who are just present and um, don't force me to do what they think I need to do. That's super. Um, so like, even when I lost my grandma, I didn't need to be tiptoed around or to everyone to be like, how are you doing? Are you okay? Like I just needed people to just like, let's just go on with life. And so like, I was thankful for people who did that for me, but that's Mm -hmm. not always going to be the case. And another piece that actually helped me was that exact thing is it was different for everybody Mm -hmm. because I wanted in. (laughs) And the next question I want to ask is what did you do that maybe didn't help your grieving process? And what I wanted to do in when I first initially recognized, okay, I'm in a period of grief. I wanted to learn. I wanted to recognize what other people had done and other people so that I could achieve and get through <laughs> this this grief process. And one of the things I learned really quick on when I was having conversations with people is grief, grief is so different for everybody. And that helped me process and helped me get through it because I recognized, oh, my journey might be way different than anybody else has ever experienced. And that was okay for me. It, yeah. it, it, mm-hmm. There wasn't a, a, a final solution to it which was hard, but was the right answer. Yeah. So then, think, well, yeah. yeah, another one of just for me was, and, and this is what's just so frustrating about it, especially in, in, in moments of, of grief or loss is I, I bark all the time, like know the promises, remember the oof, promises oof. all the time <laughs> who let the dogs out. Uh, I just know the promises of God. Mm-hmm. Like, so, I didn't allow myself to remember the promises well, mm. which is why like what helps for me. And I know this is like when I go to people who I know are going to challenge me and ask good questions, but also be with me and present. Like Jaina even said, it's they'll remind me of those promises. So even like Psalm 34, the Lord's close to the broken heart and he mm-hmm. save, save those who are down in spirit. It's like, that's, that's a big deal. That's a promise that I can cling to. Um, and I just, for some reason last March was one of those things where I just, I struggled holding on to and remembering the promises of God, yeah. uh, which wasn't great. And then because of that, I, I would I would tend to neglect spiritual practices yeah. and like spiritual habits of devotion, uh, getting the word. Prayer was always a thing, but it was always a wrestle, mm. even in that moment. Um, and so that's something if you what you can do in the green process, like be thankful and don't neglect those things you know supposed to do every single day. Yeah. They're just easy for me to not. Yeah. Maybe something else I, I would think of that hurt my grief process when I was walking through it probably still walking through it as we're, we're discussing this, but trying to us, trying to put motive behind people's texts or oh, calls or great. like reaching out where it was just an overwhelming amount of people who reach out, which is good because it lets you show like your connections and how loved you are. But some of it, it's like you have to fight your inner thoughts of, who texts out, why they text out, when they text yeah. out, how often That's they good. text, yeah. what they say in their text. And it's like none of that none of that really should matter in mm-hmm. that moment. It's just mm-hmm. the fact that they tr- they tried to do something. Yeah. They tried mm-hmm. to connect with you. But when you're in that, I don't know, it's it's hazy. It's yeah. it's tough. Yeah. So like I remember one moment Ben called me a couple days after. And I was just in a, an emotional state where I was like, I do not want to talk on the phone. But I was glad he called at the same time. And it was this weird balance of I'm glad you're still reaching out, but I also don't want to talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know how to handle that. And I think that could – and I don't know if I'd handle it any better in the future. But I, I, recognizing yeah. it I think has helped me. That's good. Mm-hmm. 
I think even with that, and we're probably getting to something that we'll talk to later, but so something I didn't you saying that brought this up in my head. It's like, it was easy also for me to get really frustrated when certain people didn't reach out. Mm. Yeah. So it's like on the other spectrum or other side of the spectrum. It's like too many people reaching out. So trying to figure out motive, but then also it's like not getting angry at people who didn't reach out, which that is unfair. Yeah. To to them because it doesn't mean they don't care. Mm-hmm. So, so what what you know. what was? Let's go first. Helpful. Let's start positive. <laughs> what was helpful that you felt other people did for you in your grieving process? Was there things people said? Was there things people did that made you f- feel better or process more? I don't know what the verbs are. I want to use there. Yeah, Aaron, who's on staff here, he didn't try to be profound. <laughs> I mean, really, that's what he like. He didn't like. I don't give me. Like I already know the answers, kind of. Yeah. Because a lot of times there's actually just not an answer, and so being okay with that, and so I think one thing that he did well was ask good questions, but not try to be super profound in it and tell me something that was unnecessary at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jana, what do you think? Yeah, I think I already said it. Just presence. Yeah. Just people who were just there and without agenda. Mm-hmm. Just. I'm here to sit with you, hang out with you, whatever. Yeah. Let's watch a movie. <laughs> and I'll tag right on that is one of the things that really helped me that other people did was people who had experienced grief who reached out. Because while all I was welcome to all people reaching out, it was those who had experienced with it who had almost felt like they had a deeper sense of empathy and connection to what I was maybe feeling and going through. Their words and their advice or their prayers or their reaching out, it was like, okay, You've been through this. You kind of know what it feels like, at least at some point. And because of that, I don't know, I was just more touched and more open to those people's words. So Mm -hmm. to connect with the people who, if you're someone who's experienced grief, I think that gives you a a leverage to go and help other people with grief. Like one Mm -hmm. thing I was reflecting on this last week is I am now a better one day, hopefully pastor, if I get (laughs) licensed and finish my classes (laughs) and such, I will be a better pastor because of this experience. Because of my experience with this deep grief and this sadness, I can be more empathetic towards others. I can recognize different ways that I would go about doing this and reaching out to people, or I would go about helping others walk through their grief, which I couldn't have done three weeks ago. I didn't know I hadn't experienced these different things. So as much as it's terrible, and I hate it, and I would never want to experience this, like I'm already starting to see some of the good of what it'll do for me in the future as a as a pastor, as a person even. Mm-hmm. Any other positive things that maybe you can think of that people did? Well, and I think even, again, so we, what we said was the world grieves with no hope, we grieve with hope, and I think we have to define a little bit of what that means, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Or just what our hope is. Sweet. And, and in that, as we pursue that hope or understand that hope a little bit, um, that's what helps us going through the process of grief, not run to temptation and coping, but actually trust the father through through the process. And that's just the reality that we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Yeah. That in that there's victory over death, that death isn't the end. And mm-hmm. the reason we, we experience grief uh, in moments of, of, like you said, deep loss, uh, especially in that is the hope that we have is one that this world isn't our final, like one, this isn't our destination. This is not our home, but we have, and will experience ultimate <clears throat> victory. Um, in life, which is in heaven, we have a place that we will be at where mm-hmm. there is no more pain or suffering or tears. Mm-hmm. And that works. I love that, obviously. Mm-hmm. That's the reason I do what I do. Um, it's the reason I 
pretty much wake up every morning because <laughs> the hope I have in Jesus. But how do you grieve? Because that's that, a lot of that's internal. You know where you're at with Jesus or people close to you. How do you grieve those who maybe didn't know that hope or it was gray if they knew yeah. that hope? Yep. Do you want to answer? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you go first. Where, maybe where I'll chip in. Uh, I think a lot of things is I try to hold, and, and this again, I, I say this a ton, but pastor told me this, it's hold all things loosely except Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes having to wrestle with and tr- or trying to answer the question, I don't know if they knew Jesus or not. Mm-hmm. And so in that, it's what does it look like to pray through and ask, know that you serve a gracious God who at any moment can do anything, even before people experience death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... There's a prayer in, man, I know my God's gracious and good. Um, there's moments where with people who I've known who have, who have died that I don't know where they were at in their salvation. I don't know where they were at with Jesus. It's trusting that my God is more compassionate and gracious and gave them moments and opportunities before they died than I can imagine mm-hmm. and not hanging on to that and wondering because the wonder will lead us into a sense of either um, deep anger and frustration, but also will keep us from fully experiencing uh, just trusting God in those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not an answer. Like our God is more gracious than we realize. We don't know what happens in people's moments and last times. Um, but then handing over just, and for me, it's like, I'm going to pray over, like, I don't know where they were at, but I'm thankful in moments where I know I've either gotten that chance to share the gospel or that I know they've heard the gospel. And I'm going to trust that God, you do what you do. It's yeah. good. <laughs> I don't know if I have anything to add to that. I, I, I love it. And I, I don't remember if you said it or someone else said it right away, but it was just... God, God is probably more gracious than we are. You know, we draw these lines in the sand. We say this is, and that's why on this podcast, I think we've even said it before. Like, how do you know if you're saved? It's like, well, we'll tell you these things we think you will see. We tell you these things we think what it looks like to have a saving faith. But in the end, like God's the judge. Yeah. None of us sit in that seat. None of us will ever or should ever sit in that seat. Correct. So therefore, like, <clears throat> we don't know exactly mm-hmm. what that process will look like. Yep. But we have a hope, yep. and we have a Jesus, and we have scripture. And we've got scripture. <laughs> that leads us to some certain truths. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I was trying to think, where are we at? Oh, oh yeah. There was maybe one other thing on the... Is, is there negatives that you experience with people where it was like, oh, man, this person did this, or I've done this, oh, yeah, I did. and yeah. I wish well, I, I did this, wouldn't. I did this to you. I don't remember if it was the phone call or the text of just like... I, and I, I have this temptation to do this because I unfortunately allow the busyness of work or life to get ahead of my relational responsibility of actually caring for people well. And so what I'll do is I'll either text or say, all right, let me know if you need anything. And so for people who are grieving in those moments and, and experiencing loss, like they actually can't even fully comprehend what is going on in general. And so for me, it's like, I have to make sure not to push into just, okay, let me know what you need. Um, it's, if there's something that's clear that I can do to help, like, I'm just going to go do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also at the same time, like, and this is what's hard about the balance. Sometimes that you have to know the relationship you have with the person. And also even like what Brennan said, like, know that this person's probably also getting a lot of texts too. And so you don't want to overwhelm them either. Mm-hmm. And there's not a right or wrong in that. It's, yeah. Yeah, I think something that maybe <clears throat> I've experienced, I've probably done, to be honest, is I assumed what my personality would want was that their personality would want. So there's people like extroverts and introverts. I think that even probably plays into grief. You know, as an extrovert, I want to be around people in the way that like they're going to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. But an introvert might need that alone time. So like when people are grieving, I had some assume that like, oh, he needs his space. 
and he needs to be left alone and he needs he doesn't need people there with him. And that was true, but there was also moments where I did just need presence of people. Right. But that doesn't mean I need presence of people all the time because then right. people will flip the script and it's like, Brennan loves being with people. Like, this is <laughs> yeah. what I would feel. Right. I would want someone there even if they're not saying anything all the time. Yeah. And that was not true. Like, there were moments where I was like, I don't even want to be around my wife for a, a little, a little yeah. bit. You know, I just need to be in some kind of, uh, honestly, isolation. Solitude is probably mm-hmm. the better that's word. That's a good word. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's that's so good. Yeah. Any last things to add? No. Your quote. Yeah, I've, I've got a quote that it has nothing to do with Jesus, <laughs> but it, it's kind of long. So storybook time, you'll have to just bear with me as I read it. But the backstory is almost as funny as any, any I ever heard. One of the people who I had talked to who had experienced grief when I was going through it, he sent this to me because it was something that helped him again because of his experience. He got to help me, which I think is so beautiful. And it was an old man who responded to a Reddit post with this <laughs> story. And I just think that's hilarious because, like, Reddit, are you kidding me? But it, it's, it, it perfectly, I think, describes what I was feeling and what many people feel with grief. So this is the quote. He says, as for grief, you'll find it comes in waves. When the ship is first wrecked, you're drowning with wreckage all around you. Everything floating all around you reminds you of the beauty and the magnificent of the ship that was and is no more. All you can do is float. You find some piece of the wreckage and you hang on to it for a while. Maybe it's a physical thing. Maybe it's a happy memory or a photograph. Maybe it's a person who is also floating. For a while, all you can do is float. Stay alive. In the beginning, the waves are 100 feet tall and crash over without mercy. They come 10 seconds and apart and don't even give you time to catch your breath. All you can do is hang on and float. After a while, maybe weeks, maybe months, you'll find the waves are still 100 feet tall, but they come farther apart. When they come, they still crash over you and they wipe you out, but in between you can breathe, you can function. You never know what's going to trigger the grief. It might be a song, a picture, a street intersection, the smell of a cup of coffee. It can just be about anything and the wave will come crashing. But in between the waves, there's life. Somewhere down the line, it's different for everybody, you find that the waves are only 80 feet tall, or maybe only 50 feet tall. And while they still come, they come farther apart. You can see them coming, an anniversary, a birthday, Christmas, a landing at an airport, and you see it coming for the most part and prepare yourself. And it washes you over. You know that somehow you will, again, come out on the other side soaking wet, sputtering, still hanging on to some tiny piece of wreckage, but you'll come out. And he says, take it from an old guy. The waves never stop coming. Somehow you really don't want them to. And you learn that you'll survive them, and other waves will come, and you'll survive them too. You'll have lots of scars from lots of love and lots of shipwrecks. And it's so good. super good. Reddit, man. And it just, I think it summarizes just the floatingness the, num- the numbness of grief, the attachment. And at the end, it's like at some point you never really want it to go away mm-hmm. because you don't want to, re- you don't want to forget what that felt like to yeah. love that person or that thing. Right. And yeah, it just crushes me. Yeah. It's so good. And I think that's the beauty <laughs> again, nothing to do with Jesus, but I think it's the beauty of the human mind, which God has given us Right. that this man was able to craft something that so beautifully can describe what that grief moment, can feel like. Process. So, yeah, and it's not I, a few things I love about it. One, 
he said it doesn't go away because the reality is if you've lost some, especially when it comes to the deep sorrow of losing someone, mm-hmm. it's like, that's just a reality. Yeah. The person that was once in your life is no longer in your life. Um, we do funerals, not for the person who's died, but for the people who are still left behind. Yeah. And that's not bad. Like we know like people will be missed and that's okay. And even the idea of maybe the waves, there's more length of time between the waves. Um, the waves become smaller or maybe they stay the same height, but like, you know how to like, if you've gone surfing ever before, the more times you do it, the more times you know how to ride that wave. Yeah. Um, so at least there's some expectation of what that feeling is going through. And it's not bad. It's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And no, the way you grieve is okay and different than the way other people grieve. Yeah. Hmm. Cling to hope. Cling to hope. As followers of Jesus, guys, in all things, man, hold on to them. We love you. If, you, if you're experiencing grief, where we are so open to reach out and connect as all of us have in the past experience grief and if it's not us connect with someone uh, while isolation and solitude is a moment where you might need to process but we don't want you to stay there connect with others let people help you through it let people walk with you through it or let this podcast be at least a little piece of helping you grieve or be prepared to grieve in the future because it's coming in some form for that's life on this earth right so we love you thank you for tuning in and we will catch you next week peace out bye